0: Locked off! Happy New Year. Pics Lab to get back here. Uh, Just real quick, I was traveling for work a couple weeks ago, and I was out in Portland, Oregon, and I was able to visit Ground Control Arcade. Really, really enjoyed it. So while I had a little bit of time in the hotel room, I uh, sat down to talk about it. So here it is. Hey guys, got a little bit of an unplanned segment for you here. Uh, Sorry if my voice sounds a little scratchy, I've got a bit of a cold, but um, we'll see if we can work with it. I am sitting in a hotel room in Portland, Oregon at the moment, traveling for work, and if you listen to my arcade episode, you may remember that I talked about how whenever I travel for work, you know, before I leave, I like to hit the internet to see if there are any classic arcades nearby um, my destination that I can visit while I'm in town if I need something to do. And I didn't even really need to do that for this particular trip because I was already aware of Ground Control Arcade, which is a very, as far as retro arcades go, it's a very well-known name. Uh, I've certainly heard about it, talked about it on podcasts, read about it in forums and this and that, so I knew about it. And um, actually another place where I heard about Ground Control was in a, uh, a podcast, a specific podcast that I'd like to kind of really quickly talk about here for a minute, because I thought it was pretty cool. There's a a podcast called Showcase. Um, so if you want to find it, I'm sure it's on. I know it's on iTunes. I'm pretty sure I, I, it's on Spotify. It's probably on Stitcher. It's probably on all the usual places. It's called Showcase. It's not a uh, retro gaming show like in a dedicated sense, it's kind of a revolving door of different topics um and things like that but the reason I'm bringing this up is because they um in last year uh which would be i don't know mid late twenty seventeen i think they had a short kind of i guess you could call almost call it like a mini series podcast on there um called the polybius Conspiracy. Now, most of you are probably familiar with the Polybius Legend. It's this um, supposed mysterious arcade game that po- uh, popped up in arcades in the early 80s that supposedly had strange effects on the kids who played it. And there are tales of you know secret government agents coming in and inspecting the machine and I don't know whether they're supposed to be taking data off of it or, or something like that. Like it's some kind of experiment, some kind of mind control experiment type thing. I don't know. There's all kinds of different angles and stories about this. Um, for the, you know, on the very, very odd chance that you haven't heard of plebeus uh, just just Google it. There's a really, couple of really nice uh, YouTube videos that people have made um, on on plebeius. There's one, I think it's called uh, plebeus the Game... That didn't exist or something to like that effect. That one's really good. It really kind of lays the story out. Um, but anyway, this podcast showcase they had this. Uh, I think it's seven or eight segments. They're about um, when I say segment, I guess they're essentially episodes. They're they're not very long. Maybe I want to say maybe maybe twenty minutes, thirty minutes each. And yeah, I think there's seven episodes, and it's um, it's a story kind of told by this in a documentary kind of style by this uh, this guy um, who's set out to make, you know, I think what he said in the, in the podcast is that he originally set out to make a documentary film on the subject, but something like the funding fell through or something like that. So rather than scrap the project altogether, him and his partner decided to make it into a podcast instead um, because of the, the lower budget um, requirements uh, associated with that and everything, and so it's he he follows he he uh, relates his tale. He talks about the people he that he uh, consults. He has interviews in there um, with different people. Um, some people, some names you might recognize. I don't want to spoil anything unless you you listen to this. But the story focuses on this one guy named um, Bobby something or other, and this this guy Bobby makes is making some pretty bold claims about having experienced playing Polybius as a kid and some of the the terrible things that happened to him in the wake of playing the game. And um he's really frustrated because nobody believes him. Everyone thinks he's he's crazy. And uh he says not even his parents believe him and, and this and that. And he's um a really kind of abrasive, cantankerous kind of guy. He's got, you know, kind of a negative guy and he's really got a lot of anger about this. And um and so they just kind of there's, there's i don't want to spoil anything but it's it's a really interesting story where how they kind of follow this guy around they follow clues they talk to people and um you know i i don't think i'm spoiling anything by saying that you know the the show unfortunately well some people would think it's unfortunate it's not really true i mean it's it's kind of, in the sense that it's um, it's kind of intentionally fictionalized. So basically what it is, it's for entertainment. It's not, these guys are doing, call it like a mockumentary, I guess, in podcast form. Now, you know, that's probably a big turnoff for a lot of people because they'd prefer to listen to a factual kind of journalistic style investigative piece. Um, and that's what this sounds like when you listen to it, but it's actually not, um it's actually fictionalized it's it's got basis in fact i mean the people that they're interviewing are real um the fact that there is a legend of plebeius that's real there's a bunch of real locations that are talked about this and that so it's it's got a real background but it's it's uh, the story that they weave into this is, is 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 fictional and they um you know they're they're open about that fact but at the, when i listen to it um, I didn't real I didn't find that out until after I listened to it. But it's, anyways, it, it after I found it out, I didn't really spoil it because it it was really really entertaining. Um, for my drives home from work, um, I can and actually I went through and listened to it again. Um, when I was painting my house, um, even after I knew it was it was fictional. So, I'd, I'd highly recommend checking that out for anyone who who likes that kind of thing. Um, and just. Don't get too upset at the fact that it's not completely um you know based in fact it's got a story to it but um as long as you're open to that and, and just open to being entertained on a on a kind of nerdy subject matter niche subject matter like this, and then you check it out but the reason I'm bringing that up is because uh, Portland plays a, a big role in that um and uh they talk about ground control in that in that podcast and I think they even interview. One of the guys who owns the place, or, or something like that. It's been a while since I listened to it, but I, I know that Ground Control's mentioned, and um just the whole general Portland, Oregon scene. Um, so that's just another place I heard of Ground Control. Anyway, the, this trip I'm on. um When I found out I, was, I had to, you know, come to Portland, I'm like, great! I'm gonna look up Ground Control. So the colleague I. And traveling with she sent me her itinerary like all the details of the trip and um you know including the hotel that she was recommending that I uh, I book and so I hopped on google maps and I said "Well, okay let's let's see how far the uh hotel is from from ground control hopefully it's within reasonable driving distance and I can go out there and and uh maybe I can find some time to scoot over there and um, play some games. And I, and I nearly fell off my chair when I, I put in the two addresses to get directions, and I kid you not, it's less than a five-minute walk from my hotel, which was amazing. So not not five-minute drive, but five-minute walk. And um, so I... As soon as I checked into the hotel room yesterday, I I headed over there. Um, It was uh, really cool. And I found some time yesterday afternoon, yesterday evening, and also this evening. So I I went three times. I spent about probably eight, nine, maybe ten hours there in total. So, um, yes, I enjoyed myself. It was a good time. Um, Another cool thing... I mean, there's probably a lot of you who won't care about this, but I'll mention it real quick. What I thought was cool was on my walk in between my hotel and in the arcade. There's I have to pass this one location that's um, it's the former site of an old kind of punk rock, rock and roll, venue, nightclub type deal. It was called uh, Satyricon. Out here in uh, in Portland, and you know a lot of cool stuff happened there. A lot of you know um, well-known bands played there back in the eighties and nineties. Um, I think the place closed down in uh, you know I don't know ten years ago, something like that. And it's been it was torn down, and a, a new building was rebuilt in its place. But I walked by that site, and um, I'm I'm kind of a big Nirvana fan, and, you know, Nirvana played there when they were up-and-coming, um, just probably in their early 20s, you know, just kids. And legend has it that that site is where Kurt Cobain first met Courtney Love. Um, you know, uh, I have my feelings on whether that was a good or bad thing for <laughs> for Kurt. Uh, I'm not going to get into that. Um, let's just say I think it was a bad thing um but anyways i thought that was really cool just you know i like i like sites like that you know just where big stuff happened on like rock and roll history and things like that i'm just kind of fascinated by that stuff so just to walk by a site like that it's just kind of cool because it's so far away from home for me to just have a chance to just walk past it on my way to an arcade and just look at it for a few seconds kind of interesting so what's ground control actually like um well, first of all I'll just kinda describe the layout. So you walk in the entrance and um there'll be there was a, a guy working the door there. Um if you go during the day, um you gotta show your ID if you want to get a wristband for um t- so that you can go to the bar and get a drink. Um at night they they also have a guy working the door, but there's no wristbands. It's because the only you're, you're not allowed in unless you're you're um, you know 21. So um, you get by the door the doorman or the person working the door, and then immediately off to the right there's like a smallish room that has a collection of games in there. Um, I want to say maybe 15, maybe 20 or so. Then you walk past that room, and then there's there's the bar area, which has a whole bunch of games around it um, in this big kind of long room. And then off to the left, you walk past the bar, and then you turn left, and there's like a little hallway, and you come out into a whole other room, which has a whole bunch of games in it, in another bar. And then in that room, there's a staircase that goes up, so you can climb the stairs. And there's an upper floor that has a bunch of pinball machines, a bunch of games. And um, and like that upper floor is broken into, was it two or three separate spaces? Because there's kind of these walls marking marking off different areas. So, um, lots. Of, it's kind of a labyrinthian, art you know. Uh, arcade where you're kind of walking around these down these hallways upstairs and there's just games all over the place really cool um the pricing model is i was a little surprised i was expecting it to be one of those you know pay a flat rate at the door and then everything's on free play type deals but it's actually old school um pay to play you know um all the machines run on quarters most of the games are uh, 25 cents. I think there are some that are there are more, but you know, frankly, most of the games are, yeah, vast majority of what I played was just 25 cents because I I prefer the older classic stuff. So I think if if anything is going to be more than 25 cents, it's it's some of the some of the newer stuff and also maybe some of the fancier pinball machines. Which I'm not a huge pinball guy. I, I've been meaning to kind of give it more of a chance. I haven't really. Tried to kind of dive into it. Um, maybe because I'm afraid that if I like it, then I'm going to start wanting to buy pinball machines. And uh, I just... I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> but anyway, that's the pricing model. Um, so what kind of games do they have there? Um, I think it's, in general, you could say it's predominantly classic 80s stuff, some 90s stuff. Um, just, you know, to rattle off some off the top of my head, this is by no means a comprehensive list, uh, but some of the games I played, um, I wrote a a short list here, um, so I'll just read it real quick. Donkey Kong, Miss Pac-Man, both the normal and turbo versions, Um, 1943, Strikers 1945, Dragon Blaze, Frogger, Mario Brothers, Ninja Turtles, and also uh, Turtles in Time. Um, X Men, Bubble Bobble, Ride End 2, Ride End Fighters, Sunset Riders, Centipede, Kung Fu Master, Dig Dug, Arkanoid 2, Tempest, Hubert, Asteroids, Shinobi, Tetris, Narc, Space Invaders, APB, Ladybug, Robotron, Burger Time, Baby Pac Man, which was very cool. I've never played that one before. That's the kind of combination video game, pinball game. Really, really interesting. I've always wanted to try that. I finally got a chance to. Mr. Do, Smash TV, Final Fight, and Rally X. Those are ones that kind of immediately came to mind. And like I said, there are others. There's some that I didn't even play. um, Either because they're they're not favorites of mine, or I just uh, wanted to focus on playing other things. But there's also some um, newer stuff, let's say. Maybe not new-new, but um, newer than the games I prefer. Um, There's like some Tekken games. There's Killer Instinct, I think was there. Um... I get some of these fighting games mixed up, so I might I might screw that up. But um, there's you know Street Fighter two. Uh, there was Street Fighter three, Third Strike, I think it's called. I might be getting that wrong as well. Again, these are if you couldn't tell, these aren't uh, my real area of interest in arcade gaming. Um, but then there are some you know uh, almost more like modern style arcade games. You know a bunch of gun games, of course. Um, you know that Star Wars. Battle pod thing, um, uh, you know, those, um, dance rhythm type machines. There's a uh, one or two of those. There was like a Mario Kart game. Um, some enormous monstrosity of a new or looked new, uh Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game it had this great big wide flat screen with you know high res graphics. Frankly, I I'm just so I was just so uninterested in it. I didn't really see what it was all about, but because um, it, it just to me it just looked like one of those games where it's it's more like an amusement ride where you you pay it probably. I think I remember. I think I did notice that it takes seventy five cents to play it. And then you you put the money in, and it's no matter what you do or how good you are, you get killed in a certain amount of time, and it's game over type thing. I don't know that that stuff just doesn't really interest me very much. Um, but there were two. Um quote unquote modern arcade games there that I did find really interesting. One was this uh game called killer queen um I'd heard about this before It's actually a ten player arcade game that's right ten players uh simultaneous it's kind of this uh like a team like i think you 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 play on one of two teams. And uh, I was trying to watch the game to figure out how they were playing it, and it's it's kind of hard to describe. Um, so if you're interested in, in in seeing what it's like, then I'd recommend just uh, either finding an arcade with, that has it or look it up on YouTube. But it's it's got kind of a retro-inspired um, art style to it and everything. Um, very you know simple but addictive type gameplay. Um, some familiar kind of play mechanics that you might recognize from other classic games really cool. I thought that was um, really interesting. And uh, another one was, this one I'd never heard of. It was called Black Emperor. Um, Best I could tell, it's some kind of indie game, um, which I believe also Killer Queen is as well. It's not some put out by some big name manufacturer like Williams or or Namco or something like that. It looks, from what I gather, it looks to be from some kind of like more of an indie uh, game outfit. And um, this other game, um, Black Emperor, I'm not sure if it's from the same guys that, that made Killer Queen or not, but it's definitely a recent um, kind of independent effort because it's um, it's got like a, a flat widescreen display in it, but the the cabinet it's in is very, very retro inspired. It looks like from a distance, it's pretty much indistinguishable from a classic a generic classic arcade cabinet and um it what it is is it's um it's like a motorcycle game where your um you have your controls are just kind of like a, a roller so if you've ever played um major havoc the original cabinet for that had an interesting kind of roller controller that was almost like a single axis trackball. You can picture that, so that it just spins side to side, no up and down. So it's like a cylinder that spins side to side. Um and this this game had the same thing, only you're spinning it up and down. So you you're you're um you're riding this motorcycle and it's like a side view, and so the roller allows you to kind of steer your bike up and down on the track, almost very similar to kind of like a excite bike, a game that everybody knows. And um, the screen kind of scrolls automatically, and all your your only goal really is to just to keep your bike on the screen. So since the, the screen is scrolling automatically at a pretty you know fast clip, you have to if if you take your hand off the accelerator, so there's a button for the accelerator. If you take your hand off, then of course the, your bike just kind of lags off to the left, um, and if you if you go off the screen, then you kind of crash. Or if you get a little overzealous with the accelerator and you accidentally zoom off the right of the screen, the right side of the screen, then that you also lose a turn by doing that. So you gotta kinda keep the bike somewhere in the center of the screen. And um which sounds easy, but um it's of course the track is weaving up and down and it, there's these big rough patches of like dirt that you hit that really slow you down. So if you don't if you don't have enough, you know, if you're not far enough off to the right when you hit this dirt and it slows you down then it's going to push you off the back side of the, the screen um, and you're, you're going to lose a turn. So I found that, I don't know, uh, it's, it's very basic. It, it's almost kind of reminiscent of, you know, this is maybe not doing it justice, um, but it's almost kind of reminiscent in spirit to like a modern kind of casual, um, uh, you know, iOS game or something like that. But of course, you're using you know arcade style controls and you got a nice display nice big bright display and everything the graphics are high res and they look nice um it's got really cool sound effects and everything the kind of the production value of the game was really solid like with the way that the the screen's transition and you know the snarky comments that come on the screen when you make mistakes and everything really really cool um i it was it really addictive i um I pumped a lot of quarters into that sucker and um didn't get anywhere near beating the the high score on there but it was uh pretty cool check it out if you ever get the chance um so i think i, I mentioned briefly earlier that, that there is a bar in there it is um they do have they do serve drinks and um, if that's your thing i know it's not everybody's thing it happens to be something i enjoy i mean i'm kind of a, a beer geek i like trying different craft beers and brewing my own beer and all that and uh so the fact that they had, you know, I think there was probably 10, 15 taps there um, with different beers that I've obviously never tried before because uh, I am I live far away from here. And so that was really cool to be able to uh, try a bunch of those and they let you, they, they, you you know, they have more than just beer, by the way. You can, all kinds of other drinks you can order as well, but. Beer is the only thing I, I ordered. And you can take your drink and you can walk around the arcade and go play games. I, I was kind of blown away by that. I mean, of course, I'm extremely happy that they let you do that because, um, you know, the machines aren't mine. They're, uh, I, um, I'm i not subjecting my property to the risks associated with, with letting people bring drinks around the games, but I guess someone who owns that place um, deemed those... Uh, risks um to be acceptable um I, I just gotta i gotta believe that there's probably a lot of little mishaps where people spilling stuff on the on the on the cabinets and control panels and this and that i kind of shudder to think about it to be honest um but um i didn't see any incidents happen i mean somebody at one point dropped a glass and it smashed on the ground but it was empty and uh they cleaned it up no big deal and um some of the cabinets even have little cup holders near them so you can put your glass in there and and enjoy your game. So I, I thought that was really cool. Another thing that really surprised me was when I was looking at, you know, the schedule for my trip. And I realized, okay, I'm going to be there on a Monday night and a Tuesday night. So, you know, that's probably not the best time because it's probably going to close earlier on those days, if it's even open at all, because they're probably dead those, those nights and this and that. But then I looked at the hours on the internet and it's like, they're open every day. And I was like, wow. Not only are they open every day, but even on Monday and Tuesday, they're open from, I think it's noon they open, and they're open to like, you know, 2 a.m. or something, like when a bar would close. I was like, wow, how do they, how do they justify that? I mean, I'm thinking to myself, there's got to be, on a Monday night at midnight, there's got to be maybe two bartenders and maybe you know, one or two people walking around in there. But, boy, was I wrong about that. Um, I wouldn't say the place was um, packed, but it was verging on being packed at moments, and it was, let's say, it was comfortably busy. Um, There were a lot of people there, um, making a lot of noise and a lot of enthusiasm for for the games, um, which was really cool to see, actually. And another thing I was kind of blown away by was the the demographic in there. I mean, I couldn't believe it. You know, it's a predominantly retro-themed arcade um, with all these kind of retro references in it and all this. And this crowd, I mean, mean, of course, I don't have hard numbers here, but if I had to guess, I would say 90% of the crowd was under the age of 25. So me walking around there in my uh, early 40s, I, I I felt almost like a chaperone or something like that because I was definitely, definitely on the high end of the age, age uh, spectrum there. Maybe part of the reason for the crowds, I don't know what a typical night is, a ground control. Obviously, I only have these two nights as reference, but both nights they had something going on. They had activities going on. Uh, on Monday, they had a big kind of, uh, Killer Queen Tournament, that's that 10-player arcade game I just told you about. So they had some organized event going on with that, so there were, pretty much the whole time I was there last night, they had people, uh, groups of people just crowded around that machine, and they have somehow tapped off the um, the video from that machine and piped it to other displays around the arcade so people can watch what's going on in the tournament. Pretty cool. And, you know, there's a lot of cheering and hooting and hollering and smack-talking and all that. Um, just good to see people interacting and and engaging in person with people over video games in an arcade environment again. And that was really really cool to see. Um, even if it's a game that I don't particularly remember or know anything about, um, other than what I saw yesterday and today, um, but it was nonetheless um, very cool to see. And and I wouldn't mind uh, learning how to play Killer Queen at some point because it did look did look fun. I read somewhere that um. There might be a home version coming, so um, I don't know what platforms that'll be on, but um, that should be interesting. I I might look into that if it's on a platform, if I don't have to buy some console to play it, like if I can get it on on PC, for example. And then, tonight, um, the event was, um, what was that game called? Um, Super Smash Brothers, or Smash Brothers, or I'm not very, I'm familiar with the name, or the concept, I've never played the game, it's, you know, it's that Nintendo uh, franchise where you get these characters leaping around and punching each other. and I don't know. I don't really know how to play the game. But that was the tournament tonight. I, I'm not even sure what hardware that was running on. I saw that the players were obviously using um, handheld controllers and it's obviously not an arcade cabinet. Um, they had the game playing on this enormous screen in the bar area. and um, That was going on for the entire time I was there and it was um yeah, they were they were getting into it. I mean, even when I was in the back room, which is way far removed from from this tournament, I could hear the yelling and screaming and cheering and things like that. Again, even though that's not a game I'm familiar with or that I really identify with or or whatever, it was still it's still nice to see, you know, this kind of interactive environment, this um, you know, people being around other living, breathing humans and interacting with them, um, you know, like the old days, uh, rather than all this cursing and swearing into headsets and being insular or playing online games and this and that. It's just, it's just refreshing to see that again. Another thing I kind of noted about the, the clientele that was milling through the arcade was I did notice there was definitely a lot of people that I would call almost like, Tourists, or you know, curious tourists, maybe not necessarily tourists in the sense that they're traveling in from out of town, but they're coming into the arcade just almost as a curiosity, not because there's someone like me who is, you know, actively seeking this type of place out and plays these games when, whenever he has a chance, or you know, um, does podcasts about them, <laughs> things like that. Um, people who, you know, for example, you'll see a couple. Uh, people walk in in a small group and you you overhear them say, they'll they'll see an Asteroids machine and they'll say, oh, wow, Asteroids, that's really old school. I remember I used to skip out of class to play that. That's an actual quote from from some guy guy I overheard. So these are people who probably haven't played an arcade game in decades um, that are just, you know, maybe saw the sign, classic arcade Oh let's check this place out and walk in and and just walk around a little bit, maybe play three two, three dollars worth of, of games and then leave. Uh so I did see a lot of people that seem to be, you know, that type of, of clientele. Um so I don't know what that means for you know for for the business at the arcade. I mean I'm sure those people aren't gonna most of those people probably aren't gonna turn into regulars, let's face it. Um but I think the the Bread and butter, I mean the most of the income they're getting in that place, if it, what I saw was any indication is probably from this younger crowd that's just looking for a place to hang out and socialize and play some games so that's that's ground control uh really cool um just uh so I guess maybe i'll I'll close here by talking about um some positives and negatives from my perspective. These are just my thoughts, and don't take them as gospel or anything, but uh for positives, let's say. I thought the place had a really great ambiance. Um, so, what do I mean by that? I mean like just that kind of vibe when you walk in, like the the lights and the and the colors and the and the um, the music that they were playing. Yeah, of course, they had a lot of '80s music kind of booming over the uh, the PA, and I liked how it was like set at a really nice volume. It was loud enough that you could hear it. It wasn't so loud that it would get annoying, or it wasn't so loud that you could that it would completely drown out the games, and likewise the game sound effects weren't so loud that they were drowning out the music. It was like a really good balance of like a cool, you know, retro experience. Um, You know, kind of dim lighting throughout the place with some accent lighting, interesting touches, things like that. Um, I really thought they did a great job there. Um, Of course, there's a really nice um selection of as i've already mentioned of, of classic games um from the 80s and 90s um and and like i said earlier that's not all they have there's some newer stuff there some more diverse stuff there but um i'm just focusing on these games cuz that's what interests me um that's kind of more the uh the realm of what you know where this podcast fits so that's kind of what i'm focusing on um And this next point here is a big one. There were, surprisingly, um, very few, very few of all those games in all those rooms, very few out-of-order games, with a few minor exceptions. Pretty much all cabinets that I played of all those games I listed earlier um, were in very good working order, like the in terms of when you put a corner and you start playing, that the joystick works correctly. Like, all the directions work. There's no screwed-up buttons and things like that, which... And I bring this up because, I mean, um, of all the retro arcades I've visited in the last few years, I I have noticed that there is a lot of um, games that are in these arcades that are just in terrible working order. Like, maybe the screen turns on and maybe sounds come out of the speakers, but... um, The the video is all glitchy. Uh, The joysticks are screwed up. Like, they don't... When you push up on the joystick, your character doesn't do anything. The buttons are stuck. Coin max don't work, so you lose quarters. Um, You know, those sorts of things. And that's really a shame, because then you feel like um, you can't really... And you're so close to having fun with this uh playing these games on, a, on an original cabinet but you're so far away because the game isn't working correctly um but the ground control very very good um attention to keeping the games in, in decent working order from from decent to very good um you know not not all perfect i mean some of the games had maybe the monitors were getting a little um getting a little shaky um showing some signs of maybe needing some work, but they work, you know, they function. You can you can see what you're doing, you can control your your ship or your character or whatever the case may be, and you can you can have an enjoyable experience playing the game. And um, that was pretty much across the board, so huge props to them for that. Uh, a positive, and maybe this would be a negative for some, but I really enjoyed the fact that the bar was there and you could, you know, enjoy a, a beer while you're, you're playing the games, I thought... I know well, that's pretty common nowadays, but um, yeah, you know the fact that you were able to, you know, select a beer from this this good variety and then carry it around the arcade and and uh, into the same areas where the games are very cool. I like it. And um, <clears throat> lastly, they I think this is kind of related to um, the first point I mentioned about ambiance, but in a way it's kind of a separate thing because they 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 had a lot of nice little touches the Throughout the place, mostly kind of thematic, like decoration, decorative type things, um, that kind of really close, you know, bring the experience closer to you. Um, For example, um, I mean, these are things that they would, they don't need to do; they wouldn't have to do these things, but they're just doing these little extra things to give, you know, amp up the arcade vibe of the place just a little bit. In the bar area, they had that. On the the big screen I mentioned earlier that they were using to play um, the Smash Brothers tournament, um, when I was there during the day yesterday, there was no tournament going on during the day. And that screen, that great big screen, um, I, if I had to guess how big it was, I'd say it's got to be over a hundred inches. It's it's huge. They had a simulated kind of version of that uh, Whopper computer from the the movie War Games. Um, so it's got that kind of retro look with the, with the, you know, green outlines of the continents and everything, and the little dotted, dotted lines for like, you know, missile trajectories and things like that. Um, so that, that kind of, and it's kind of blinking, it's got blinky lights, it's, it's moving, things are happening on the screen. And that's filling up this enormous screen, just kind of in the background while you're walking around. Just, you know, really, really kind of cool touches like that, like 80s theme type things. Um, for, for, uh retro nerds um like me like us we kind of appreciate these types of things then you you um you walk past the bar and you go down that hallway i mentioned earlier to uh that other back room and in this hallway they've got this other great big screen that's kind of on the the wall on the right side And it's not really a tv screen it's kind of like a i'm wondering how they did this but it's a great big kind of pixelized display so picture this great big grid several feet wide by several feet high of it's made up of like tile sized column pixels, um, in this grid. And it's playing these fancy patterns on there and animations, um, of like retro inspired kind of video game animations are just playing across this big, bright screen. It's Kind of hard to describe it. I'm sure there's probably videos on YouTube. It's really, I thought that was really neat. Um, Something I wouldn't mind having in in my uh, um, in my basement. It just looked really cool, and I'm wondering how they did it. I mean, you'd probably do it with with a Raspberry Pi and, and a little bit of uh, tinkering skills or something. I, I'd imagine, but I don't. I have no idea how they how they did that. Um, and then you go in the in the men's washroom. I of course I can't speak for the the women's washroom, but in, in the men men's washroom, you like a um, the surfaces were a lot of the surfaces were uh finished with um those kind of small, roughly what are they, one inch by one inch tiles. And they used these tiles um as pixels to create you know, using different colored tiles they uh they created like pixel art. So there's like Pac-Man ghosts on the floor and, you know, the the two urinals say one up and two up. And just little touches like that, you know, all through the place. It's it's you can tell they put a lot of uh they spent a lot of money and put a lot of thought into this stuff and then they have a lot of neat little accent lighting throughout the place like you go up the stairs to that that upper area I told you about in in the in the, the stairs have these big neon lights on on each step and and stuff like that it's just a uh, very uh very well done so negatives i mean I, i'm almost inclined to say that i don't really have any negatives to to mention um but if i had to if i had to say something um then uh, one thing that I think maybe kind of plays against it is the way that the place is divided up into these different rooms. I mean, I know that's not by design. Obviously, they, they, you know, that's they they repurpose some building that used to be something else, and that's just the way the building was laid out, and they didn't really have a choice. I understand that, um, but nonetheless, you have these games that are kind of all scattered out through these different rooms, and and that's okay. Um, For the most part, but I think one thing I did notice is is that it tends to kind of segregate the crowd a little bit. You know how when you have uh, a bunch of guests over for Thanksgiving or Christmas or something and like your family's over and for some reason everybody kind of congregates in the kitchen and just kind of stands around (laughs) or something like that? And well, there's a perfectly good living room off to the left with some couches and, and maybe one or two people are sitting in there wondering why is everybody out there in the kitchen? Why aren't they coming and sitting in here where it's comfortable and there's all this nice stuff? Like that's kind of what the arcade was like in a way. There was this back room that um wasn't nearly wasn't getting nearly the attention of of the front room. And I think that's a large that was largely um due to the fact that it's, you know, physically separated from that space, uh by means of like this hallway. So it, it's just kind of kind of a limb off off on its own. And so, uh, I mean, I think it would be nice if it was a, a, just a nice big open space where all the games are in there and everybody's kind of, you know, hanging out in the same space. But, you know what, like I said, this isn't really a complaint. It's just something I noticed. And maybe, you know, this wasn't a huge problem, but again, I should maybe I should mention it. Um, it was maybe a tad crowded in, in some spots. Um, in particular, the um, tonight when they were playing the, Smash Brothers tournament on that big screen. Like I mentioned, the big screen is in the in the area where the bar is, and so basically there's all these people huddled around. Look, um, either they're either playing or they're watching um, this big screen, and so they're forming a crowd right in front of the bar. So there's this great big crowd playing the game. So if you're trying to get to the bar, then it's really crowded. Um, uh, so that was maybe maybe a little bit annoying, but you know again, totally manageable, not a big deal. And my I think my my biggest complaint, the biggest negative of all for this is that, you know, ground control is in is in Portland and absolutely nowhere at all near southwestern Ontario where I live. And that wraps up my review of Ground Control Arcade. You can reach me at pixeladvocate at outlook.com if you'd like to drop me a line or if you have any comments or feedback. Um, but until next time happy new year and I hope everything's going well for you so far in 2019 don't forget may we all appreciate what we have today and in our fleeting spare moments may we fondly reflect upon our pixel perfect past bye for now